today's podcast episode is super, super, super exciting for me. I can't wait to share it with you. But right now, what I'm going to tell you is that I am going to have you dig into your scariest emotions for you to find freedom. I'm going to give you an entire process on how you can journal through the most uncomfortable feelings and end up on the other side feeling like a million bucks. Welcome to Metaphysics of Photography Podcasts where we discuss elevated personal branding for mystical misfits and rock stars, as in crystals. I am Adanis, also known as Ultra, your host, and let's get started. Okay, so I'm just going to go off. I'm just going to go off on this because I got super, super excited. Well, first and foremost, I want to tell you that every single morning I do my practices, um, except for one day. I have one day, which I call it like sacred day, spirit day, practice day, whatever day. Um, and that day I have um, a pretty intense meditation practice is an hour long. And honestly, sitting through an hour of a regular meditation could be excru- excruciating, but that is a dream compared to what I put myself through. The meditation that I do is called Jupiter Kriya. Initially, I started that meditation to get some money. Now, I do it to clean my unconscious and my subconscious debris and all that stuff. It has shifted from being something that I'm looking to get from the universe, like, universe, bring me money. I'm going to do this thing that I don't want to do, but it's because I know you can bring me money if I do it, right? Um, I moved away from that, and I started to, like, understand the value behind it. Now, if you read anything about the Jupiter Kriya, it tells you that it clears your ups- unconscious mind and just stored up gunk in your nervous system, whatever, right? And so I was like, wait a minute, we're selling this Kriya, see? That's why the Westerners, they fucking monetize everything. We're kind of selling, and what I mean selling is persuading, right? Meaning like we're giving off this impression, right? We're selling off the idea that this Kriya gives you prosperity, but that is not true. And even the yogis and the mystics who practice it are not even telling you the truth, but I want to tell you the truth. The reason you get prosperity is because prosperity is your natural way of being, Money is something you naturally have because money is just energy and you have an abundance of energy. Abundance is just how the universe works. If you look at the, the uh, sky, you look at it, oxygen, you look at um, everything, pretty much everything is abundant. And even if you say, oh, like, you know, we're running out of minerals and stuff. Um, even if we feel like in the earth, we have limited resources. When you think about the the, the universe itself, the, even if, the, if even if this earth just shatters into little pieces, it doesn't compare to the probably like the gold and the precious metals and, and things that are spread throughout the universe because it's the universe, right? It has everything and contains everything. And, you know, like the different types of metals that can exist and, and uh, gems that can exist in other planets are because, you know, gems are created through like hard pressure and heat and imagine a planet that doesn't have any heat so they're their entire process and the, the rocks here there's different and it's, it's amazing world and it's, that's just how it is the natural way the natural flow is pure abundance i think i said something earlier in another podcast about how we are biased to, to good right um i think about it whenever you have a cut on your leg it automatically instantaneously starts to heal 
without you saying, okay, wound, sew yourself back up so I cannot bleed out. The moment you are cut, your body naturally does things to heal that, immediately starts to produce certain chemicals that inhibits the blood from, from continuing to drip, right? I think it, the word is congat, congratulates. I don't know the word. But it gets all hard and crusty. That means it, it creates a barrier so you don't bleed out. Like, the, you don't have to ask things that are naturally um, working in, in a bias of good. You don't have to ask your body to breathe. You don't, Everything that's good. And, you know, it, it, when you even think about our bodies, it's just like, I don't have to ask my body to do shit, to move the blood around, to breathe, to do all these things that are good for me. I think we are biased for good. Innately, so what does that mean? That we are truly our, our, our most um, innocent self, our most before the issues, before the knowledge, before the problems, before all that. Our most authentic, innocent self is abundance and is, you know, unlimited energy it doesn't even have a resonance of like money like a thing it's a resonance of abundance now if this resonance comes in contact with money it's abundant money if it comes in contact with oxygen it's abundant oxygen it's just a frequency of overflow of of more than enough like the universe doesn't know how to do just enough it always does more It's, it's an interesting thing that we it leans towards um it has a positive bias and the reason I want to touch on that is because whenever we are in a negative state, right, we can, right, use our natural bias to something good and, and move our way, move us into a positive state of, of emotion. And so when I was thinking about this, in a way, I'm, I'm going to take you through all the, the hoops. First of all, I was journaling, and based on like what I've transcribed in the past few days, um, yesterday being the day, um, I have felt a certain type of way. So yesterday I finished part of my master's, um, you know, degree. Um, well, I did the exams and now I have to work on a thesis. And so there's the sense of completion of something and starting something else. And so that happened. I was like, I did it, I finished. I, mem- I gave myself a deadline and I surpassed it. I was three days early. So I was feeling really good. So then there's that part. And in that state, I, you know, it felt really good. I um, got into conversations with people and I was excited. But I chose to, instead of staying in that beautiful positive state, I chose to watch the, um, the trial with Amber, whatever her name is. Um, I'm not trying to give this any more visibility than it requires. I'm just telling you what I was going through yesterday. And so I knew that 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 show was going to trigger me because I had been through pretty gnarly custody battle and I gone through court and um, been through, you know, domestic abuse, um, getting order of protections, being afraid. I mean, I if it just could have if it, I see my life and I'm like, wow, I'm so lucky could have gotten so much worse, but it. There's that's the thing that we lean towards that bias of positivity. It's like, well, it could have been worse. You see, that's a positive statement. But the reality is, is that even though it could have been worse, <laughs> anything could have been worse, it, it's still pretty bad, right? It affects us. And so yesterday um, I watched that and I, it started to stir up some emotions about what I went through when I was in court, what the things that I was called, you know, bipolar. Think about that. You, you shouldn't, somebody shouldn't 
throw your any mental health issues, but I wasn't diagnosed. I wasn't bipolar. It was just simply all these terms were used, you know, to not only shaken my case and my foundation, but to humiliate. And it, it, it was insane for me when, as I went through court, that the court system, the police system, everybody seemed like in cahoots with the guy that I had a problem with. And I couldn't understand it. I couldn't get it. I was like, how do they not see the truth? How do they not see what I see? How is it? It's so obvious to me now, but how come, how come they believe him? How come he's getting away with this? How come he could took, he took my child? Like how come? And I knew that that was going to stir up some fucking emotions. And I knew as I knew that the show was going to come out on Netflix and I was like, I don't want to watch it yet. Now, I thought I was strong enough to handle it, but I think so. I think that's exactly what happened, that I found myself in a certain energetic level where I can say, okay, okay, I I think I can do this work today. And maybe any other day, things would have gone different, but I wouldn't have put myself in the line of fire, per se, energetically. Like, I wouldn't have done that, um, knowing what I know, if I didn't feel, like, equipped so when I started to watch the show, I was just like, I know this is going to make me feel some fuck shit. I know it. it's going to make me feel some some stuff. And and I, I was hanging there and I was I was pretty good for a while. But after a while, once 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 the social media stuff came out and um, people and women in particular were humiliating her and making fun of her. And I just remember I just remember like going through court. I remember having to describe and say things. I remember this person calling me a whore. I remember him saying like, God gave me such a whore. And I also remember the fear of if I ever speak out on it, he's going to ride that wave, right? Like he's going to be like, oh shit, she's still talking about me. This is a while ago now. And I was like, man, if I read a book, if I write a book about it, he's going to write a book. He's going to write his version. If, if I have a movie about it, he's going to come out with his movie. And then when I saw the the court, because sometimes when you're going through these um, very difficult things in court, you know, they feel so public and you feel so bare and vulnerable and it's painful and, you know, there's children involved and there's all kinds of things. Um you just feel crazy. You feel like, okay, I don't know what is up, what is down, because, I mean, I had an order of protection. I have all these things. This guy's stalking me. He's recording me. He's doing inappropriate things. Like, all these things. And the court's like, oh, he's just the dad. He just wants to be with his son, mind you. I was, like, just so confused and so perplexed. And I, I got, I threw myself into those emotions again. And... I just started to just get angry. I started to like see every time that Johnny Depp smirked and smiled. I just remember my ex, everything that my ex did. And now I cannot tell you that Johnny Depp is an abuser or not, but I could tell you that the behavior is identical. And you don't know this unless you've been in an abusive relationship and you haven't, then you should feel very, very lucky. But if you have, you're going to understand what I'm saying. I remember 
getting an order of protection and qualifying for a special program where they could help me get away and all these things just like and I was like this is my fucking life I went from being like the top photographer in my area to hiding and running away because of a man who would just not leave me alone just would not quit he would not stop until he took my son and my son lives with him now and one of the fears that I had, I was like, damn, if I ever like truly come out and speak on this um, because I know the behavior and I understand what's happening, that's just like another thing that I'm going to be adding to my thing. I'm going to be a reawakening this monster and I don't know I, that I can go through another <sighs> this narcissistic thing. Let me tell you something. I don't use that term lightly. I do not use that term lightly. It is, if you've ever encountered a truly narcissistic relationship, it is not something you can shake with ease. It, it, it's, it's insidious and it is like crazy glue. You can't unstick it. And if you do, you're ripping that nail out. It's just a lot. Mind you, as all these emotions are staring up inside of me watching this... <sighs> This place where we take advantage of people's misery and document it and report and fascinate at it. I was just like got so upset and so angry. And I think that's really what started to stir up this emotions of like, I fucking hate men. But I wasn't even saying that at that point. I have all these ranty conversations with people. I'm like, but why do they do the things that they do? Even in the feminine, masculine, energetics is so fucking lame. How like men need to be and men, men. I was like, men are fine. Fucking women. Why are you so concerned? About, aren't you concerned about you or your daughter or the fact that all these rights that women fought for are rolled back? That's not your concern. You want to inject your lips and use the law of attraction to get all this money and that's it i'm not saying that people should be um giving back i'm I, i'm not saying any of that i just feel like who i am can't just sit here in 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 a mansion by myself like at a deeper level of responsibility knowing that i can impact the world i can do something can you imagine that someone says, it's not my job. It's not my responsibility. But since I can, I will. Like, who's that person? You know what I mean? Like, who's like that nowadays? Nonetheless, I'm getting into a bunch of themes here. And um, I want to stick to the topic to the best of my ability. The thing is that I had to take my son to Taekwondo. And um, I paused the show. I was like, all right. Let's go Taekwondo, do, do the mom thing. I already felt like there was some emotions being stirred up. And at Taekwondo, I forgot my headphones, which I normally put my headphones in and just draw and zone out. I had to kind of like, I was like, all right, I'll journal. And because I knew I had so many stirred up feelings from watching the trial, I was like, I'm going to do some shadow alchemy here. I'm going to take this opportunity to see what I can't see because I know that the illusion is always emotional, right? The illusion is emotional. The illusion is like, hey, this is fucked up. This is messed up. This is unfair. Da, 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 da. 
and all those negative emotions that are being stirred up, I know that then, then there's a part of me that's bought into this. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's go there. Let's freaking go there. It didn't take me long to... Because at first I was like, but I don't give a shit about these people. I don't care about their celebritism. I don't care. I'm, I was like, I, I understand how I feel because of my experience. But I also think I was at a place where I was like, I'm done with that. I'm over it. I don't know if I'll ever get, really truly get over it. Maybe I'll get over it when my son lives with me. And we'll see. But I did have this feeling like I'm over this, this thing that happened to me. This, this problem. And so, you have a great man now and, you know, have my little family, my little life and keep on trucking. But these emotions have been stirred up. And while my son was in Taekwondo, I started journaling. And at first I couldn't like kind of like get to, I can, I just like, I don't know, I don't know. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I don't remember exactly what I voiced, but I think I just started to dig into the characters. And I was like, look, Janice, you know, this is illusion, right? Because if it wasn't illusion, you wouldn't be so upset. The illusion is always highly emotional because it's like, ah, like that outrage. And that outrage is always letting you know that you're not aligned to the, the truth because the truth is a peace that surpasses understanding, right? That's what the, the truth always brings you to radical peace. So here I am, raging, trying to cry and just feel, I started to dig into the character about like, okay, why did, why does it bother you so much? Like, why did it trigger you? And I was like, I started to write these things down. I was like, his mannerisms. I remember the way that I was looked at. I remember how the lawyers, like how, how they rooted, like how they, I remember how walking, walking into court and just being, having to sit through lies this guy's testimony oh my god just an entire fantasy just harry potter just crazy shit um my son oh and um no one cared that he was a convicted felon nobody cared that you know his uh close family members um had literally sexually abused um his girlfriend's kids i mean like it was just being part of this family for as short as I was, was the most chaotic thing I've ever been a part of, ever. Just uncles, cousins, everybody's molesting everybody. Um, they're racist against each other. You know, my, my son's father is very dark. And, um, oh, man, they used to just, just belittle him because of how dark he was and then they would tell me stories of how they would do that since he was a child and understanding so much about the pain that he must have under went through um it's given me a lot of understanding for the personality disorder of narcissism and i understand it deeply that it comes from some unexplainable pain in the childhood and from that moment like from this view, this is where I'm, I'm, I am now, I've resolved that. But you know it's not resolved if it still triggers you. So as I'm triggered, and I was like, I am not going to be triggered. I am not triggered. Boom, triggered. I dig into it. And as I'm remembering Johnny Depp, I'm just seeing his mannerisms. I just remember my ex's mannerisms. And suddenly it was this 
overflow of like men back to back it was just like it's almost like a like a flash reel like a super fast reel of like just men in my life all the way through my entire life how they've been nothing but shit men my mom's father was having an affair with his secretary he left my grandma married her still with her to this day my grandmother put him through college um my mom violated as a teen pregnant as a teen when she went to her family for help they married her to her abuser got her ass beat for years before she could figure out a way out my mom's new husband the man i call my dad because that's the only dad i've ever met beat her kids me and my other brother just abused us he came from a painful background as well and as I go back into all my lives, all my, um, my lives, all, all my childhood memories and, and the men, how I've seen men in every context, I saw them in a negative light. I saw preachers and teachers and people who said they were spiritual leave their wives for a hotter girl. I saw sexual abuse across the board. Um... And it never made sense to me as a girl in a, in a church that, that men were the head of the household because I just saw so young that they were fucked up. <laughs> I was like, I don't think they're doing things right. I don't think this Bible is right. I always knew that. So granted, I have all these feelings, fresh feelings. I'm journaling away like a maniac, journaling like, ah! If I could just scream, if I would have cried, I, I did, but I, I would have, but I didn't because I was a Taekwondo. I was just journaling. I was letting my arm just, I, you know, when you're been journaling so chaotically that you don't even know what you're writing. It's just chicken scratch. And I just like, I feel like I let my inner child just finally just say, I hate men. Hate them, hate them, hate them, hate them. They suck. I have a memory of a man who tried to molest me. And what I remember is that... We were in front of a park. No, not to this day, let me tell you this. When I see men in front of a park, I want to be like, what the fuck are you doing here? What the fuck are you doing? I like just want to rage. And I never really knew where that came from until I tip, you know, I had this memory um, resurface. And I've always had the memory, just didn't put two and two together that that was the reason why I hated to see men in parks. But I just remember that we were either um, in front of a school, in front of a park, and um, this guy was kind of me either to pick up his kids or something and I think that he was picking all of us up all of us up from school you know we were neighbors or something I don't know he was a Christian Pentecostal preacher a man of God so he says and so did everyone else mind you I find myself in a car with him by myself and he goes do you want to drive and I was like sure and he sat me on his lap and I just was like mm-mm no, I don't think so. I was like, no. And I got off his lap and that was the end of it. Um, but I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even know what kind of danger I was in. Years later, I, he's this, because this guy's on, is in jail, by the way, if he's not dead, um, for abusing his own children and many children in the church. And I feel, wow, like I just, ooh, I was so lucky. Yet that, 
that feel fed into my hatred of men. It's like, why do the why do they want to do that? Why do they want to hurt children? Why? I don't get it. I just don't understand. They say they believe in God. They're preaching the word of God. But what, how could you believe in God and do that? I don't get it. This is why church never made sense to me. It's like, this is a place where we're supposed to help the poor. And you have big mega churches like, I don't know, Joel Osteen and big preachers like, I don't know, Joyce Myers. And this is before the whole trumping thing, right? So I thought Christians were all the same. You have these people with these huge churches. They have tax cuts, right? They don't even pay taxes. Millions and billions of dollars. And Christians, in some near town, are not well. Little churches and how is I, I used to just like be like, it's the same God. How come God prefers that, that dude over this other dude? Or this community over this other community? It just didn't make any sense that a loving God would be so disgruntled. Do you know what I'm saying? And also, I didn't like the idea that God was a man. I was like, why if, why if God's God, he needs a dick on balls? Because for me, as a child, I thought, well, the main difference between a man and a woman is their genitalia. Well, a woman has a woman's body, but she also has um, breast and, you know, the ability to carry a child. And God, if he's a man, what would make him a man is that he would have a penis, right? And I was like, why would God need a penis? I don't get it. Oh, I know, because he had to impregnate Mary behind her back. What? That sounds like rape. There's so many weird things in the Bible. And Ada can't even say that they're right or wrong. All I can say is that it's been translated way too many times for me to just sit here and totally understand this as something verbatim. And so you have to then come into it with a spiritual awakening, with a spiritual understanding, and you have to see the, the symbols behind it, right? You can say that Adam and Eve were the two first people in the world, which just sounds completely irrational if you even know anything about science. It's science. No, God, it's not science. Science is just the observable, measurable reality. Science just means what we could see, what we can observe, what we can study. It's not like it's a thing. Oh, science. Like, what do you, science is our senses, what we can observe. That's what we call science, what we can measure, what we can test. That's what we call science. It's not a thing other than an observation, curiosity, if anything. Nonetheless, let me try to make this a little bit shorter. Nonetheless, when I come home, I tell Jesse, I hate men. He goes, I know. But for me, it was like, for me, it was just like this unconditional love. At that moment, I just felt so loved because he wasn't just like, yeah, you need to stop that. Like he did say, "Mm." no, he didn't even say that. He's like, I know everybody knows, you know, he was just like, cause he's, these jokes. And I was like, damn, everybody knows. Huh? Except me. I didn't know. I have a lot of reasons to, to, to feel the anger and the hatred and, I think it's justified. If my mom tells me that my dad put a machete to her neck and he was going to chop her head off, I think that I'm justified in my anger about that. Yet, 
I was walking around and I was thinking like, I don't want to be in this anger. What can I do? And I started to ask myself even a better question. Why did I watch that? Because everything that I do is so intentional. Why would spirit have me watch this trial, which was going to fuck me up? Why? Um, there's a question that I ask that I learned from a book. And I remember the, the name of the book exactly. It was something like five meditations that make you rich or something like that. But one of the things I learned from that book is how can you find the silver lining? How can you find the real riches in, in that experience? And so I asked myself, what is the best thing that happened out of this? On a personal level, for me, what is the best thing that I got from watching this show and reliving this pain? For first of all, I had to go do some, some alchemy. I had to go really uncover some of that stuff. And I didn't just like uproot it and covered it up or whatever or try to piece it. No, I allowed it to be because some things are unjust. And when we try to like not have the appropriate feelings, the appropriate emotions to things, that's when we get into trouble. If something is unfair, you should feel bad about it. And hopefully that bad feeling is what gives you that catalytic effect to do something about it. Nonetheless, I am nonetheless, I am at um where am I? I'm home and I'm telling and, you know, and he's like, I don't know why you watch that stuff, but, you know, everybody knows you hate men. But I just felt so loved by him because it wasn't just like, he wasn't just like, yeah, and you need to stop. You know, men suck, but I'm not like, he didn't take it personally. He didn't try to defend himself. He was just like, yeah, okay, you hate men and religion and everything else. And, but I felt held in a way. Um... And then I get into a conversation with my mom and, and the conversation was fine until the very end. And she, I, I felt that she kind of mocked some of my, my perspectives, especially like spiritual stuff. And um, so we get into this heated argument and I just felt really strongly that I was like, nope, I'm not going to be like, whatever you want, mom. I'm just going to stand by it and stand by it. And then... I just felt so angry and so hurt. I felt so rejected by my family. And then here I am again. I'm just like, I'm like, holy crap. Like I had literally reliving all these emotions from the court trial and then going back to even further going to having a conversation with my mom and then feeling so rejected because I was different. So I started to do some work today. That was all yesterday. And one of the things I asked myself was like, okay, 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 okay. What is it? that I felt as a child. Because what it, one thing I, I know and I recognize is that every single thing we are picturing in the now, everything we're doing in the now comes from some type of childhood, childhood fear or some childhood experience. So why am I going to try to understand something about this court case when clearly this entire court case just uprooted something that I felt in my childhood. I mean, if anything, that was the gift for me. That maybe I've numbed that part of it for so long. And now I could, I have the tools. I have the courage. I know what to do. I think I'm going to. And so I asked myself today, 
I was like, what? What do you feel as a child? So I'm going to ask you, right? If you want to workshop this with me, um, you can pause this and then grab a notebook and we can do this work together. And I can cut you for free. But can I cut you for free? Free. That's with the F, fuck you for free, if you never heard that song. Okay. Um, so I asked myself, what did, what did I feel as a child? Just very generally, it, it wasn't about me judging. It was about like, it's like, well, I felt one. I took on way too much responsibility too young. I was the oldest out of five. And a lot of times my family needed help and support. My mom needed support. So as the oldest, that's what you do. So um, I felt like I took on too much responsibility that didn't belong like like, you know, to a child. And therefore... Um, I don't feel like I had the, an opportunity to fully be a child. Okay. Too much responsibility to help, to help my mom. Got it. What was the second thing I felt as a child? Um, I, I, I felt like my feistiness was a problem, right? When I was in elementary school, the principal, um, you know, she touched my lips and I kicked her and I got suspended. Um, when I was in first grade the teacher told me I talked too much and I I don't know slapped her I don't know I don't think I slapped her I think I just like pushed her or something I was physical and my mom was concerned but I was like do you understand that this feistiness this feisty girl is the one that wasn't molested because I was feisty you understand like the thing that they're trying to put out in you that wild spirit that hell no that's the thing that saved your life sometimes and sometimes saving of your life was the, the the time when you had to be quiet and just take it i understand that feeling too so i understand that my feistiness my words my my defending of things is a problem my feistiness is a problem i also felt like at some point they were kind of they they did like an exorcism in one of my rooms when i was really little threw out all my toys right because they were religious and so there was this this feeling of like being evil. And then they had to like do a lot of praying over me and make sure that the devil didn't take me completely. But I always had this feeling. Like I was like, I had this feeling in which I am somehow partly evil. Now, you have to understand that this could be all be unconscious because my mom, you know, was abused when um, my dad, you know, took advantage of her when she was a teenager, my biological dad. And so she could just have this unconscious feeling of, like, I love her, that's my daughter, but this is also a traumatic, crazy event that happened to me and that internal turmoil. And I was like, maybe that's what, it, you know, she felt, maybe that's what I felt. But I was always, like, just on the outskirt and the outside. I was never, I never felt like part of the family. I was part of the family and felt like the black sheep, the odd one. Now, my father, my biological, not my, my stepfather, um, he wrote, he took a picture of me when I was little and, um, he wrote Satan across my face. And so as I'm digging into that, I was like, well, I was made to feel like I needed to be exercised. Like there was something wrong with me, but not like mentally wrong with me. No, like, like evil, like bad, right? This is all the Christian stuff that's always scaring people. Oh, your kid has the demons, and it's like, yeah, no, that's a seizure. Take take him to the doctor. Anyways, um, I also was in an environment where I was constantly criticized. And the way that my mom criticizes, it's, and she still does it, and she does it to herself. That's how I know it's unconscious. 
um, I would just remember things like when she would look at her uh, her own photos. My mom was so beautiful that people would compare her to um, Whitney Houston. People would compare her to Halle Berry. Like my mom was like people that and and she was like a Christian and didn't wear no makeup, you know, back in the day. And um, she was compared to the most beautiful women in America at that time. And she would just criticize the hell out of herself. She would be like, I look like a monkey from the side. Look at that. I look like a chimpanzee. And I just remember laughing because it was so funny, that self-deprecation. But I learned it, and it sucks. And I didn't necessarily love it, right? I, I, didn't, I didn't love to criticize myself. So I don't think I was as good at it as my mom was. But my mom was really good at criticizing me very, very sneakily. Stealth ninja. She would say something like, you're wearing that? She would say something like, you're not putting any makeup on? And another thing that I always felt in my childhood was that I had to give in. Oh, my mom did not like it when I stood up, when I fought. No, no, no. I was a girl. I was supposed to be a lady. I remember in a fight with my brother. Now, I'm a teenager, and we're one year apart. So let's say that I'm, I don't know, 14, and he's 13, right? Um, I don't remember exactly the age, but I just remember that we got in a like, physical fight. We're like, we're fighting, punching each other, grabbing each other, fighting. Um, you know, as siblings do. And I just remember, like, I was just, like, on it, like, relentless. And he came at me, and I came at him. He headbutted me. By the way, that's where I learned to headbutt people from my brothers, how insane he was. He looked at me, boom, like a fucking wrestler. (laughs) I was just like, oh, hell no. And I'm the type of person that if I'm in a fight, you're going to have to kill me because I don't stop. It's because it's blind rage, right? Not... Not saying that this is a good quality and something that I had to have been working on for a long time. Um, let's grant it, I haven't had a fight in years. <laughs> you know, I'm 45. That's not what we do nowadays. Um, but, I mean, I remember also being in school and I was hanging out with my friends and laughing. And one of somebody walked by me, a boy, and I bumped him because I was laughing and I didn't notice and he pushed me. I started brawling with him right there. Boom, 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 boom. Didn't get in trouble because, you know, a girl kicking ass is probably not something, to, a, a boy, right? It's like, hey, cut it out, sit down. And then I was like, man, what the fuck? And he was like, what the fuck? I was like, don't push me. Don't push me, don't fucking touch me. So I've always been feisty, but think, think about that. They've been trying to, like, dull this edge. My, my entire childhood was about taking the feisty out of me and it was just nearly impossible it was impossible um to domesticate you to that degree um it just requires a lot of breaking you down even if it's unconscious but that's exactly what happens right and so i got these points across criticism adult responsibilities too young too much on my hands too much feistiness all too much evil in me and my dad that called me Satan, I started to just like stop. I don't know how, but I started to see a theme. I was like, oh, my dad called me Satan. And he's immediately, spirit started speaking. He's like, your dad was just voicing what your mom felt. And I just like, oh, it was like a kick to my stomach. And I was like, my mom, that's why she allowed a lot of the abuse to happen. Because my mom was indoctrinated in this religion 
And they were literally like beat the devil out of people, like literally abuse them into uh, belief. Or and the thing, this is the thing about abuse that you think you're abusing a, a child. You know, you're saying, "Hey, I'm I'm guiding him in the right path," and if you're not on the right path, you think you are. That's that's the this that's the illusion and the distortion, right? Like you're gonna live your entire life. My mom lived her entire life like she's a little bit more innocent than she was, you know, and I could say that due to her abuse, that there's a lot of things she went through. Yeah. But also, this is where I would like people to just take more responsibility. This is where I dramatically differ from many Christians, right? It's like, yeah, but nobody wants to be like, this is my responsibility. It's kind of like, well, I did the best that I can. It's like, you're not dead, and I told Mima after getting into a heated argument with my mom, I was just like, you know what? It would be a shame that we haven't seen each other in a year and I haven't met my niece that I would just not come to your house because you can't just love who I am now. Well, that's not how you were raised. And I said, hey, let me ask you a question. Were you? Are you the same way you were raised? No, you weren't. Because she's a different religion than her mother. And I was like, so you can't understand that how you went from your mom's religion and found your own then I can't go through that same exact process? And somehow you think your truth is the end goal, but isn't that what your mom thought? They're nothing but some good old truth to put people in their place, right? The thing is this. As I'm getting off the phone with my mom, we get into this hitter argument because she just kind of sh- like, when somebody puts you down, They don't have to say you're a piece of shit. They don't have to say you're awful, you're the worst. They just have to do something. They just have to say something. They just have to, even a mannerism that brings you to that feeling of like rejection. So when my mom goes, oh, you're talking about? (laughs) Like, I don't know. She did like a laugh, like a a breath. And she swears that she didn't. And I was like, all right, mom, I just made that up. I asked you, why did you laugh? You know, I didn't laugh. It's like, okay, well, did, what was that? Like, why did you mock me? I didn't mock you. I just thought it was an observation. I was like, it's an observation? Shut the fuck up. Here's another thing about Christians. They're liars. <laughs> you can't just fess up and just be like, yeah, girl, I was making fun of you because I think your shit is ridiculous. Because at the very least, I would, have, I would honor that she's a truth teller. Don't spare me my feelings mom or anyone so let me bring you into the process my my man was just like look your mom she we're at an age where our parents could die at any moment you know or, or in the near future so this is not a worth a, a fight that is worth it and I was like you're right man you're right and God knows I hate when he's right but he's right so today as I'm digging in I'm digging into this work I'm like well I know that there's nothing for me to do about the money that I want, the house that I want, the business that I want, the clients that I want. There's nothing for me to do there if I don't get this internal childhood stuff cleaned up once and for all. Because there lies the problem inside the the, the inner child. And the inner child is that which is at the unconscious level making a lot of the decisions, right? So I said, we're going to have to talk to this inner child today. And so that's what I did. You know, I got a lot of rele- rele- 
you know, revelations from from just um, sitting down and actually looking at it. And instead of telling my shadow, boo-hoo-hoo, you're bad, don't be here. They're like, no, the fuck, speak, let's go. What do you have to say? Tell me, tell me what I should notice. Tell me what, 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 what you're trying to protect me from. The shadow's always trying to protect you from something. And I got it, it was so clear, rejection. Now, if you know that I've been on this fame theme, and this is one of the things that started getting revealed into my heart. It's like, look, once you can accept and understand and respect the rejection of your family, no one can ever reject you. No one. Because even just biologically, that is the strongest emotion that we have because it's just how we connect to survival. And I just started getting clarity. I was like, damn, my mom rejections over and over and over is what has built my ability is this the tough skin that i need again this is where you're just like oh okay i wanted to change but this is what this is how i got equipped to deal with com- confrontations this is how i get equipped to deal with uncomfortable uh, conversations with christians when they come at you i was like look my mom's christian if i can take on my mom i'm a puerto rican woman we were we were i don't know this new generation but we were terrified of our parents we're terrified of our parents. Oh, God. I think I said the word pussy and I got my ass beat to a pulp. I mean, black eye and everything. So, I want to bring you through the process. After you ask yourself these questions, you just this is just an observation. And then what I really got to this, it was a very simple thing. I'm I'm expecting I'm always expecting my mother to be able to give me something that she doesn't have. Pain breeds pain. And because we're biased for good, no matter how much pain was inflicted on my mom, she was still a better mom than her mother. And I'm a better mom with her because we're leaning on that positive bias. We can't even help it. We are getting better and better and better unconsciously because it's who we really are who we really are is just this divine energy that is leading us through an experience on the physical plane so i asked myself another question why is it that i'm able to experience unconditional love from my partner and not my mom like what am how did i do one thing or the other right? Sometimes these questions that I ask myself don't have an answer. The question within itself is enough because oftentimes what's answering is the divine, right? I was reading a book and it was just like, instead of saying like, why is this happening to me? Um, say things like, how much more pleasure can I feel? How much better can it get? And I was like, oh, that's a good hack, right? So sometimes when you're asking these questions, you're not literally saying why, you're just saying, hey, how, how can I see this from a different view? What's going on here? What am I not seeing the moment that I started to get really, really emotional. Now, when I start to get really emotional, because I'm an emotional person, I almost have the, uh, like a moment where I'm like, wait, what are you doing? You know, this is just a movie. It's like, wait, you're super emotional about this story, but it's an illusion. So you're spending a lot of emotion on essentially a novel. And I just stop. I'm like, huh, okay. I have, I can see how a, my human creature is compassionate, but then I can see how a higher perspective is not judging the situation. 
And as I don't judge, I don't experience a strong emotion about it. So sometimes I have some notes, but it's a little bit hard to read the chicken scratch. Um, so all of my childhood, all of my childhood has this little, this little curtain of feeling. The curtain of you are always going to have so much responsibility on the shoulders. That's too bad, so sad. You're the firstborn. That's how it is for you. So here we find the first distortion in the message, right? That I have to take on responsibilities that are not my own. And inclusively, I was telling you that we got into the fight and my mom was always telling me, me and my brother. She was like, Janice, you have to stop. And I was like, why? Why am I the one that have to stop? I don't understand. I am right. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't say anything wrong. I am right in the situation. Why do I have to stop? She goes, because you are the more mature one. And so when you're more mature then you're the one that has to have like the bigger action. And I was like, well, then, okay, I don't want to be more mature because I want to be heard. I want to express myself. And now suddenly, because I'm more mature, because I'm more intelligent, I don't have that luxury anymore of self-expression. Goes back to what? Too much responsibility. That means that me being myself, it's, it's the, the, the payment the payment is, is costing me being myself that I have to take on my brother's responsibility, my, my parents' responsibility. I got to take all that on because I'm more mature? Fuck, right? Let's be dumb. Let's be dumb and have nobody expect any shit from you, right? You're like, okay, so my intelligence is really a hindrance here. Here comes another illusion, right? Smart girls have too much responsibility. Too much responsibility that is not yours is not fun. We also got the feistiness. Oh, man, I came out the wound feisty. My mom said that I was walking by the time I was seven months. What the hell? I've never seen a baby that young walk. Seven months? I mean, what does that say about my spirit? I came in feisty. This is how I came in. There's a reason why I'm blessed with this thing that is always seen as problematic. That other part of being just right outside of the family, it's almost like, this is how the feeling, I don't know if you all understand. It's like you're in a family and everybody has their room and you're part of the family, but you don't have a room. You sleep in the living room on the couch. And mom and dad has a room and everybody else has a room and you're on the couch. Now, I'm not saying that that's how I live. That's just the feeling. The feeling of like, yeah, I'm part of this family, but like, I don't, how, how am I not as important as anybody else? Why do I not have a room? Why do I not have a voice? Um, oh, it's because I'm the oldest and I should always yield it to the babies and yield. It's, it's such an interesting, an interesting perspective that I had to take on just to survive. And of course, I couldn't just keep arguing with my mom and I couldn't just keep arguing with my brother. At some point, I had to just take it. That's survival. I had to not be feisty. It's hard for me not to. And this idea that I was just evil, you know, I feel really bad for my mom in that, in that sense that you believe a religion so much to convince you that, that your child could have evil in them. And I mean, the Bible says that you must be like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. So it don't even make sense that children could get possessed. That part. Okay? That part. 
Anyways, I don't believe in possession anyways. And the constant criticism, right? And so when I'm like, okay, you know that all the problems that you've dealt with your entire life has stemmed from these feelings that you just tune into. What are you going to do? I was like, I don't even know. I'm just going to let them just be. So I didn't try to uh, shadow alchemy them again or do anything. I was just like, whatever. And so this is what I did. And this is what I want to really stress on you. It's the shortest part of the segment. But I really wanted to build a case for me. What I want you to do is to a couple things. One, understand the emotional scale. And you can you can go online and look at it. You can just Google it. Or also you can read books from like Abraham Hicks talks about the emotional scale, right? Like I think 22 is like despair and depression. And then the number one is love and above and whatever. It's it's, recent, it's good to understand how to move through the emotions because this is how this pro, this workshop or this little journaling prompt that I'm going to give you, this is how it works. Well, every single day that I do my journaling and I do my stuff, I journal with a specific point of view, a perspective or something, but I was still carrying a lot of like pain and sentiment and rejection from yesterday. So I was like, I don't feel like being forgiving right now. I don't feel like... I was like, I understand. It's all an illusion. And I I actually want to understand a little bit more why it bothers me so much. But whatever. So I said, you know what? Instead of journaling on this fantasy, because sometimes I do uh, this little, what I call Fantasia, where I just journal about a fantasy scenario that just feels really good, right? Jim Carrey talks about many times where he would just stare at a billboard and just imagine himself on there so basically it's the same thing it's just giving yourself a little fantasy a little something to focus that feels really cool like wow it'd be so good if i was on a poster it's a really quick um way to get an entire uh, get a lot of positive momentum and there's no attachment to it right it's really it's really a magical process nonetheless i was like today for my fantasia i'm gonna journal on revenge i'm gonna do it on revenge and I was like, oh, that's not very spiritual of me. But nonetheless, I just created this entire scenario where I had my revenge. And at the end of it, I smile and I felt amazing. And then something started to brew inside. I was like, why do I feel good? Why do I feel good? This is not supposed to make me feel good. Revenge is supposed to be naughty and not good. Why, why, why do I feel good? Why do I feel like I calibrated? Why do I feel better? I wasn't trying to feel better. I was just journaling on a fantasy revenge. And suddenly, I started to get flooded with the why. And it is because one feeling, no matter how bad, is always, always going to lean with a positive bias. What does that mean? That means that if I am in rage, and that's the emotion I'm at, and I start journaling about it, at the end of that journaling... I'm going to feel better. Why? Because there's no other way, right? This is what I call grace. There's no other way. Some people think that even by focusing on the negative thing, then you feel bad and you give it more momentum. And what I'm telling you is that if you have a hidden emotion that's been locked up inside of you for a long time, you putting a cap on that and not letting you speak is still manifesting the fuck shit in your life. So you might as well let her speak. You might as well sit, let, really see what's in there for you. And I just let my inner child have her moment. I was like, go crazy. Fucking get your revenge. I journal on this really fan- fantasy revenge. I felt amazing. 
And immediately I realized that as you give yourself permission and you honor that emotion in some weird way, that because you let that emotion that been stagnant inside of you for so long have a little bit of like power, like, you know what, if I could, I'll get revenge on all these people, fuck y'all. Ah, why? That feels better than sadness. Revenge, rage feels better. It's catalytic. It has energy. But I didn't, I didn't, at the end of this, feel any amount of rage. I was like, wait, what is this magical thing? And it is nothing more than journaling on what it is that you're feeling right now. This rage, this anger, whatever it is, just let it talk. Because if you were abused as a child, you may have never let this side of you fully speak. And that little girl was, is drowning inside of you. And you're looking for more money and you're looking for more clout and you're looking for more fame. And the, 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 the thing that needs attention, the thing that needs attention that's gonna, uh, because we're wired, we're hardwired for the positive bias, all the things that you want, she holds the key, your inner child. And if you're just like, you know what, I'm going to have to look at this because I'm not going to have financial success until I do. I had financial success and now I don't, it's like the opposite of the Midas touch. Nothing, nothing pop ups, pops off. I'm good at what I do. I have magic to unleash. I'm telling you right now is because we need to look at this thing here. One of my favorite things about the tantric, different tantric traditions is that they have a lot of violent practices. Maybe not a lot, but they have enough violent practices. And I remember springing it on, on like one of my classes and I didn't warn them. I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't just like, hey, by the way, I'm gonna give you a meditation that's gonna fucking be crazy. Um, I just like send them an uh, initiation. And I was like, you guys have to do this and da da da. Holy crap. <laughs> I was like, when these students were just like, dude, that was the craziest thing I've ever been through. Um, I just remember particularly one student saying like, I was really afraid. I was like, I know it's a hard one. I was like, sorry, I didn't. Maybe it was good that I didn't prepare you because you were just like, what the fuck is going on? Right. And so one of these um, tantric meditations um, takes you through um, actually taking revenge on people who've hurt you. But the beautiful part is that at the end, you don't end up, you, we, you know, you don't leave it on that. You take, you take yourself through an entire process. And ultimately, what ends up happening is you transmute rage into love, which is one of the things that Kali Ma, our goddess Kali, that is, she is absolute love and absolute violence and i never understood that i was like how could you be absolute love and absolute violence and the way that i i think about it is through motherhood you can be so 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 into your child love your child so much that you will kill for your child right absolute love absolute violence it doesn't need to to be two separate things it could be the same and so when I do my, my work every day, I have this little picture of me. It's, in, it's not in black and white. It's in like, like orange because it's so old. And I was three months old. And I just think about how I need to be the mother I wanted. 
how my mom's never going to do that. She doesn't. She didn't agree to, to that in their sacred contracts. And I think a lot of times that's the most healing thing that we don't, we don't, and we cannot expect the love and the attention and the things from our parents. I mean, some people have their parents are past, but it's because it's not on them. Like, I feel like if we could just accept that our parents are supposed to just keep us alive, however they could, that that moment from like adult on, that's where you parent and you parent yourself, the parent that you wanted, not the parent that you got. And so when I'm doing my work and my spiritual work, I see this picture of me at three months old. And I have to say, well, I have to love you this way. I have to do it because no one else can. So if you are going through anything like strong emotion, especially strong negative emotion, give yourself this workshop per se. Um, Sit down and just write out a little fantasy story where you actually play out your emotion. Um, So for I won't tell you all of the things of my little revenge, you know, thing that I did, but I can tell you is that some of it was it became really playful and fun it never hurt anyone like on the sense like and i murdered everyone you know what i mean um it just became lighthearted. i was like well i got on the cover of this magazine and everybody was like oh my god you made it ha 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 i did revenge is the you know success is the best revenge so it it turned out to be so innocent so sometimes when you allow yourself to go into the emotion because who's feeling it is the inner child is probably not even as bad as putting a cap on it and then really letting it fester. So what I think is really good for you to practice is go into a fantasy scenario where like somebody did you wrong, you know, just play, allow yourself to get that, that moment of revenge, but then end it on a good note. Move yourself up the emotional scale. Utilize resources like Abraham Hicks or some, you know, graphic online. And you just pinpoint your emotion. You're like, right now, I'm feeling upset. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm just fucking triggered, right? And I'm not asking you to do shadow work. I'm not asking you to get rid of the trigger to feel better. I'm asking you to give in to the trigger and fantasize about what it is that would make you feel relief in that moment. It would make me feel relief that if those people who even including my family who didn't understand the value that I bring, that it would bring me relief that they would be like, you know what, Janice, you the shit. You're really cool. I'm sorry I, I didn't tell you enough times as a kid. Now, may I, may I get that someday? Maybe. I don't know. It, it doesn't matter. But I can fantasize about it and that makes me feel happy. That makes me feel better. And the moment you start to feel better, that's where you have an opportunity to move up that that scale. And so I start with revenge. That's what I was feeling. But before I knew it, I was in playfulness. Well, what's playfulness? Well, play playfulness could be more like, I don't know, like way, way, way above anger and rage. That starts to feel a little bit like joy. Hmm. You know, it could be it could be a powerful shortcut.
Okay, so have a great day. That's all I have to say. Bye. That brings us to the end of this episode. I hope that you have enjoyed it and learned something that can take you from diamond in the rough to crown jewel. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and this show, please rate and leave a review on Apple Podcasts and be sure to come back for our next juicy discussion, of course, about metaphysics, photography, and anything in between. Until then, you can find me in Studio Stars. Bon voyage!